0: book of Revelation that the incense that is arising to your altar are the prayers of the saints. And God, we are standing in worship and we're praying today to you, the almighty God. Father, we acknowledge that we have tremendous need this morning. We have needs as individuals, as families, as a city and state. We have needs as a nation, the world, Lord. Lord so many things and we are just acknowledging our need for you And as we pray we pray that those prayers would be kept in the bowl of incense to be released in your presence jesus you are seated at the right hand of god the father interceding on our behalf and i just pray lord jesus that you would continue to have mercy on us that we would see your hand and god that you would give us confidence and faith Father, that that nothing would get in the way of our belief in the fact that you are almighty God and you are in control. And I pray today, Lord, that you'll build our faith and confidence in the fact that you are almighty God. And I pray, Lord, that you would now take the living word of God. That you would transform our hearts today. Because we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A platoon of soldiers was led by their commanding officer to a section of roadway, and he told them that this area of road was soon going to come under enemy attack. And he said, our job is to hold the road and stop the enemy advance. And he told his soldiers, I want you to dig foxholes and prepare. Well, after about a half an hour of of attempting to dig in soil that was mostly clay and rock, one young soldier, he was a clerk who was More used to fax machines, email, and computers than picks and shovels, went up to the officer in charge and asked, Wouldn't it be easier to just attack the enemy and make them dig the foxholes? That's the easy way out. You know, we are in a battle, we're in a war. War is hard, war is difficult. And we're in a war that's invisible to a large extent. If anyone doubts we're at war, just read the news, watch news reports, different channels telling the same news from different world views and values. It appears to be Political war, war of ideas, culture wars, value wars, wars over traditional marriage and abortion, women's rights, sexual identity, socialism versus capitalism, communism, immigration, gun rights. We can go on and on about the many issues that are dividing people and causing conflict today. And even though this warfare works its way out in the realm of ideas, politics, and values, and rights, the real battle is invisible. It's, it's an invisible war. It's a spiritual war. Now, it'd be a lot easier for us to recruit other people to fight this battle and expect other people to do the work and let them dig the foxholes or whatever that is. But God has called us into this battle for this time such as this. I don't know if you've ever looked at history and thought about the best time you'd like to be alive, whether it's the, the coming over and starting this country in the early 1600s or the 1700s or during the boom of the 1800s or 1920s, roaring 20s. You can think about all those times in history and say, you know, it would have been really fun to be alive back then. Well, you know what? We are alive today. We are here today for a purpose. It's not an accident that we are here. We are here. It's an invisible war. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. There is a war, and we have an opponent called the devil or Satan. It's important to note, first of all, God, God is all powerful and God is sovereign. But Satan has an obvious influence and powerful presence in our world. What does God allow Satan to do? What and what are the indications that this is a spiritual attack? In other words, How do we know it's the devil that's responsible? That's the question. And what are our weapons of warfare? What do we have in our arsenal to fight in the heavenly realm? Now, some people deny that Satan has any power, or they try to minimize his role in history and the affairs of people. And indeed, the Bible teaches us to worship God, but be aware of Satan. Worship God, be aware of Satan. As we begin to learn and to start to practice our God-given responsibilities and giftings, our role that God has placed us in, the enemy, Satan is going to become angry. And he may attack you personally. In John 10:10, 10, 10, interesting interesting verse that ends with I have come that you might have life and have it abundant, but it starts with the thief comes only to steal kill, and destroy. The thief, meaning Satan, our enemy, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. On the converse, Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. And he attacks us. Fact, his mission is to destroy any and all good. Fact, good versus evil is a battle that has raged from the very beginning of time. Fact, Satan is opposed to anything from God. Fact, Satan has none of the powers that God has. God is omnipresent, He's everywhere present. Satan is limited to one place at a time. God is omniscient, God knows all things. Satan has limited knowledge. In fact, when we look back in the New Testament, It says that Satan thought if he murdered the Messiah, Jesus, he would win. But God fooled him. He played into God's hands. And because of the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, salvation came to all of us. Satan thought he'd won. No, he hadn't. It was just just the beginning. Just the beginning. 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Don't ever forget that. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When we receive Jesus Christ, ask him to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And that presence, that power, the Holy Spirit, God himself is in us. And greater is that person and presence and power than Satan's power. That's the foundation that we start from. We have the power and authority to deal with Satan and his demons. That's why the title of this sermon is No Fear. No Fear. We have so much fear today. So much fear. And because of what God has done and continues to do in our lives, doesn't matter who's opposed to us, he says don't have fear. We need to be aware, not alarmed. Aware of our enemy, but we need to be impressed with God impressed with God. We must strike a balance of the denial of satanic activity and on the focusing on it too much. Some people don't like to think about it. We need to be aware of it. We don't want to be preoccupied with Satan. We're to be preoccupied with God and aware of Satan. Now, coming out of the things that we've experienced, especially the, the pandemic and all the issues that we've experienced, I've really wanted to focus on um, rest and in peace, be in peace, find peace, God's, you got peace, all this stuff. But I feel like we need to take some time because so much of what's happening in our world right now is from the pit of hell and it's, there, it's trying to destroy, people is trying to destroy the church, it's trying to destroy our country, trying to destroy the world. And we're going to take some time over the next several weeks to look at spiritual warfare. What is it that God has given us to do? What has God given us to do? Who are we? What is our authority? And what, what has he allowed Satan to do? And how can we counter that? We don't want to be preoccupied with Satan, but aware of him. John Dawson writes this. He said, morbid fascination is a carnal appetite that can drive us to search out the hidden knowledge of the evil realm. We don't want to concentrate on the evil realm or the devil, but we want to be aware of what's going on. Today, no fear. We're going to look at five ways. Just to start, five ways Satan attacks us and three reasons God allows attacks. Five ways Satan attacks us. We need to be aware. And then three reasons God allows the attacks. Let's start with five ways that Satan attacks us. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. It's on page 941 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians 12. There's part of his testimony. Verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. you felt weak at all during the last three years, or 30 years, this is for you. We're not going to talk this morning about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. There have been all kinds of speculation about his thorn in the flesh. Um, Some people said it was his wife, well, he wasn't married. It, It wasn't any of those types of things. And there's the reason we don't know why Paul could become conceited he doesn't give those. We don't, he doesn't give the reasons, so we can't speculate on that. A lot of speculation. Paul didn't tell us, so no one knows for sure. That's not important. What is important is that the thorn in the flesh that he is experiencing is called a messenger of Satan. The causal factor was a personal devil called Satan. Satan caused it. It was his attacks. Now, five different words are used to describe these attacks. I want to look at each one of them. They're found in verse 10. The first one is called weaknesses. Satan attacks with weaknesses. This could be called infirmities. Simply put, we discover the devil can attack us physically. The devil can attack us physically. He did it here to Paul. He did it in other parts of the Bible. In fact, in the life of Jesus, Satan is often listed as the cause of sickness. In Luke 13, we won't look at the passage, but there was a woman who had been crippled By a spirit for 18 years. She had been sick with this infirmity for 18 years. She couldn't straighten up. She was bent over. And Jesus healed her on the Sabbath over the objections of the synagogue ruler. And in verse 16, he says, Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Satan caused physical sickness. That doesn't mean all sickness is from the devil. There are two extreme positions, and some people hold these different ones. The first one is all sickness is from the devil. If you're sick, it's the devil's fault, and you've got to do something about it. That's an extreme position. The other position is there's no sickness from the from the devil. It's just a scientific reality which we must deal with. Both of those are extremes, and they're untrue. Satan can and does influence the physical realm. With God's permission, Satan brought about physical disasters to through nature to destroy all of Job's family and his possessions. Then he afflicted Job with terrible sores or disease. You see, he was involved and engaged in sickness. But sickness is most often caused by germs or infections or insect bites, whatever it might be. Most often we're not sick because of the devil or judgment from God, but bacteria, viruses, bites, physiological abnormalities. Why is that? Well, we live in a a fallen world fallen world. Physical sickness, and we've dealt with all kinds of things, especially in the last two years. Physical sickness has four major causes. Four major causes. First of all is human frailty. Human frailty. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said they would surely die. Some people say, well, they didn't die right away. No, they didn't die right away. But they began to age and die. See, this is a a fallen world. Since that, physically we weaken over time. The average lifespan right after the sin of Adam and Eve was seven to eight hundred years old. They, Methuselah lived to over nine hundred. But the lifespan slowly declined the further we move from creation in the fall. And when we look at our lifespan today, the average lifespan for people in America today, for men, it's about seventy-seven years. For women. It's about 83 years. That's because women lie about their age. But that's another, another story. Our bodies are finite, and they break down. We lose muscle. We gain fat. We have to wear glasses. Our teeth get filled and replaced. Our joints get stiff. Gravity pulls us down. We get sags, bags, and wrinkles. Weakness, human frailty. And all of us, all of us would like to be the exception. We don't want to extend our life, but eventually we will all die. There, it's, it's just a fact of reality. It's human frailty. Human frailty. Now, studies have shown that if you cut back on food consumption, you may live longer. So, so uh, you just be hungry all the time. You eat, eat less. But most of us would rather um, not be hungry and just die a little sooner. But that's, that's a whole other thing. One study showed that if during your whole life you exercise 30 minutes... 30 minutes, four times a week, you will add to your lifespan an average of six months. Maybe you'd rather relax and go to heaven sooner. I, that's, that's up to you. But that's, that's the human frailty, human frailty. Sickness can also come from physical abuse. And physical abuse can be abusing our bodies, improper diet, lack of exercise, stress, not enough rest. That can bring illness. And we all know that that can come. God, number three, sometimes brings sickness as a physical judgment to bring us to the realization of our need to repent and turn to God. And more often in the Old Testament, we see these kinds of judgments that are sent to the nation of Israel to get them to turn from sin and turn back to God. Realizing need. And finally, sickness can come from, number four, the devil. Come from the devil. When things look abnormal or unexplainable outside what we know as usual circumstances, Satan may be, may be the source of that sickness. Paul came to that conclusion. He said, this was sent against me by Satan. And he said, he asked God to take his infirmity away. And God said, no. So said, no. Why would he do that? See, attacks in the area of weaknesses, infirmities can be Debilitating. We're nearly neutralized when we're sick physically. That's why it's so important to take care of ourselves physically, be healthy and strong. Sometimes there's nothing that can be done because of weaknesses. So weaknesses, infirmities, and many of us have been attacked that way. The second way Satan attacks us is insults or reproaches accusations. Accusation is probably the best word for that. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He might say to you, you're no good. You're worthless. God's never going to forgive you for what you did. Your life isn't worth living. Or he tries to make us look bad or feel bad, ruin our reputation. Thirdly, Satan can attack us in hardships, which is distress, distress. It's the definition to cause sorrow, misery, suffering, pain, or trouble. This is, this is the stuff of life. Some of this we just can't, can't avoid, the strain, the pain, and the stress. And Satan may be the cause of it, or just use it to discourage us and get us down. I don't know how many people over the last two years especially, sick with some, something COVID or whatever it was, just get, I talk to them on the phone, they're just discouraged because it's taken so long to get over. Why is this happening? The discouragement that comes, Satan may not cause it, he will bring distress and he will discourage us in the middle of that. Maybe it's finances or a lost job, tension in marriage, problem with kids, trouble at work, unfulfilled expectations. Maybe it's pain, pain. Talk to many of you that have had Extended periods of pain for one reason or another. Pain. Physical pain. Or emotional pain. And probably the worst in many ways is relational pain. Pain going through separation or divorce. Alienation from family members. Something that causes pain. Satan will try to destroy you. Through hardships. Fourth, persecutions, persecutions. Satan will bring people into our lives to persecute us for our faith. And sometimes, sometimes persecution is subtle. We don't, we don't see overt persecution always here. It may, be, it may be as subtle as somebody excludes you at work or at school. They know you're religious or they, you don't participate in some of the things, so they exclude you or they ignore you. We want acceptance, and sometimes we have this subtle persecution. Or there's overt persecution or outright faith, out, outright, outright persecution, attacks. And we have people on the front lines out there. People are dying for their faith. We don't hear that much about it in our country, but people are dying for their faith literally in every part of the globe dying for their faith. They can't mention God or religion. In places like North Korea, you can lose your life or be sent to a concentration camp for having possession of Scripture. I'm I'm not talking about a whole Bible. You can have just one verse written down, and they can throw you in a concentration camp. The fifth way Satan attacks us is difficulties. Just make things tough harder than it should be, placing obstacles in our way. We must resist the devil when this happens until he quits. In our individual life, Satan will attack us with weaknesses, infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. And there's one huge question. Paul lays this out, and you may be recalling what's, what your life has been or what you're dealing with. Why does God allow it? Why, God? You know, I, I, we ask that, I'll tell you, why? Isn't life supposed to be abundant and easy and fulfilling and whatever? Why does God allow these things? Have you ever asked God that question? Why? I don't have all the answers on this, but I do have three. I have three. Long ways from all the answers, but I do have three. And we find these clues I want to look at three reasons that God allows attacks. Three reasons that God allows attacks. And I believe this is part of the reason why America and the world has gone through what we've gone through the last two years. In Judges 3, 1-2, to it says, These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands which he had given their forefathers through Moses. Wow. Why? Why? First of all, so we don't forget how to fight. So we don't forget how to fight. So we don't lose the art of war or spiritual warfare. Does God still want us to know warfare, how to fight? Does he still want us to develop warriors? When the Berlin Wall came down, many of you remember that amazing time. And the USSR became Russia and the Independent Republic. It was like the, the Cold War was over and... There was no longer any imminent threat. Everybody said, let's just disband the military. Let's do this. We don't need our military. We're the world's superpower, only one. And so we don't have to worry about it anymore. We no longer have any enemies. Fortunately, the, the military continued to train and prepare and develop warriors, leadership, and soldiers. And since then, obviously, we've needed our military. Spiritually, in the same way, we can grow, grow complacent and think we're safe We don't need to fight any longer. Then we lose the art of spiritual warfare. Everything's great. We don't need to fight. Lonely were the voices of the last 50 years calling us to do spiritual battle. I remember when Frank Peretti came out with the book, This Present Darkness. It was an amazing depiction of, a fiction about what's going on in the heavenly realm, this present darkness. He, he wrote this book, and everybody got on the bandwagon with a great emphasis, sometimes overemphasis and preoccupation with spiritual warfare for a while. Then, as in America, like all other things, the fad passed. Everything was going good. The economy was good. We were safe. Well, we need to rearm. We need to rearm. We need to relearn warfare. John Dawson states the hostile environment is essential for our eternal future. Let me say that again. The hostile environment is essential for our eternal future. What is he saying? He's saying we need warfare, we need opposition, so we don't forget how to fight. Why? Closely related. Let her be. So we don't forget there is a war going on. A little more obvious today than five years ago. Don't forget, there is, when our lives are smooth, everything's going well, we can become complacent, settled, fat, and happy. Unconcerned about the evil around us and the lives being destroyed by the enemy. There are lives being destroyed. Somebody asked me not, not long ago, asked, what, what is the greatest? One of the what is the greatest challenge? One of the greatest challenges that the church or your church faces. But what is it, What is one of the greatest challenges your, church, the church faces? And my, I didn't have to think very long. My answer was brokenness. Brokenness. Broken lives. Broken families. Broken people. Eau Claire is just full of broken people, broken by life, broken by the enemy, broken by so many things, broken families, broken homes, broken lives, just all over. Very few people have not had their lives broken in some way. Incredible challenge. And we forget Eau Claire is full of broken people. Eau Claire is is a hotbed of overt, occultic activity. We've just started to realize how much. When we see the predominance of gender confusion, same-sex marriage, the elevation of sexual sin, we know there is a battle going on. There's brokenness. People are broken. It touches the lives of our children, family, our friends, our schools, our neighborhood, my church. It becomes personal. There is a war going on. Don't forget. We can't forget there's a war going on. About three years ago, I was at a city council meeting speaking truth to an ordinance that was being passed. It was called the Conversion Therapy Prohibition Ordinance, which basically stated, if you're a counselor, in the city of Eau Claire and you're counseling a minor and they come in with gender confusion, you are prohibited. You cannot counsel them towards their biological sex, only the alternative sex. You can only send them the other direction. If you, do the, if you counsel them towards their biological sex, it's breaking the law. That's on the books in Eau Claire. We, we, we fought it. We didn't do a very good job. But what just happened this last year? Some of you are aware of this. The school board, our school board, encouraged by professors out at the University of Wisconsin, city council members here in Eau Claire, they established a curriculum. The administration and people in the the school district established a curriculum talking about if a person has gender confusion, we're to encourage them to explore that, and whatever you do, don't tell the parents. It's a parental right. This happened. There's a lawsuit pending. You've seen it. Now, this is not a school board issue politically. This is a satanic spiritual issue that has come up. And we have people from our church that are involved in the suit because of that. That is happening here. Now, I thought everything was nice, you know, and, and let me just say something. The people involved in this lawsuit are left, right, mid-liberal concerned. They're, it's a parental rights issue that we have the right. To decide what our children learn and how they navigate, it's not the school district, it's not administrators, and it's not professors at the University of Wisconsin. It's parents. Is there a spiritual battle going on? We can't forget. There's a war. Now, the third reason. Third reason. God allows attacks is to remind us of our power source. To remind us of our power source. 2 Corinthians, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake... I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, I am strong. How can that be? In my weakness, I'm made strong. It's a power paradox that God's power is made perfect and strong in weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. And he says, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses. We, we like to celebrate independence the American way. Instead, celebrate dependence God's way. Dependence on God. Our dependence on God's grace to transform this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan, into something good. Now, Paul never said that the thorn or the messenger were good. But he does say that it accomplished something good in his life. Only God can take what's intended for evil. Only God can take challenge. Only God can take negative things and turn them for good. How does he do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things... All things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things. No fear. Five ways God, Satan attacks us, three reasons God allows it. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remember, Jesus already won. This series is to become aware so we can win. No fear. No fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us a real life example of someone who dealt with all these things and was able to be victorious in the middle of all that. And I pray, God, that that you would encourage us that we would see that there is a war we're not going to forget how to fight and we will be reminded of our power source it's you and that we would depend on you Father in many ways we feel like we're in the minority we need you desperately and I pray Lord Jesus that you would strengthen us that we would rise up with wings like eagles we would, we would soar we would walk and not faint we would run and not stop in any way And that you would accomplish your will in our lives personally, in the lives of this church, in the lives of this community, Eau Claire. In Jesus' name, let's stand, shall we?